0: With you. with you, let us pray, Heavenly Father. We come back uh, now, and we, uh, after a few weeks away, and we, we just thank you for your Word. Thank you for fellowship of other believers. We thank you, God, that you are uh, working in our midst. That you are, your Word is living and active. That your Holy Spirit is present with us. And we ask God that you would send your Spirit now, as we um, turn to your Word. That you would lift us up and help us to love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, it's going to be uh, hard to concentrate on the Word of God with the smell of bacon uh, lingering in the air, I'm sure. Let me, let me, uh, you can do what
1: I thought was going to
2: do. <laughs>
0: All right, so we uh, we are starting section uh, nine, actually section nine, uh, in our study of Matthew, which is has now uh, n- not quite hit the one year mark, but um, I, I think that we will uh, probably finish somewhere around Christmas or maybe a little bit a little bit afterwards. Um, as I was taking a look at the. Um, Taking a look at the Scriptures, flag, just over and over again, it came to me uh, that what I was seeing in the Scriptures uh, going forward from where we are in this, this next section, uh, leading up to the triumphal entry, is that it's just death and resurrection. It's discipleship as death and resurrection, over uh, and over again. So where we are in the, in the narrative, and I, I mean for a year I talked about how Matthew is making his case that Jesus is the Christ, right? And so well, last year we looked at his birth and his ministry and his miracles and his teaching, particularly teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and the parables uh, in chapter 13. And the case culminated, if you remember, at Caesarea Philippi, uh, in front of a bunch of idols and uh, s- statues of false gods. And, um, and uh, Peter confessed there, that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus said, uh, who do you say that I am? Jesus, uh, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Which is to say that Matthew has now made his case and put the sort of period on that. And now everything from there on heads towards Jerusalem. Uh, everything heads towards the cross. It's sort of this uh, come to the top of the mountain, now we're heading heading there even though Jerusalem technically is on top of the mountain. But it, uh, in the way that the structure of the narrative, we've, we've hit this uh, proclamation and now we're moving towards uh, Jerusalem and the cross. Eight lessons now covering uh, chapter 16, verse 21, where we start today through the end of chapter 20. So we'll, we'll take eight lessons for this, this section, Discipleship as Death and Resurrection is the title of it. Um, and uh, Jesus heading towards the cross. What the question is: What does it mean to follow Him? What does it mean to follow Jesus as He heads to the cross over and over again, in one way or another? The answer is death and resurrection. Death to our old self, resurrected to a life uh, of new, by faith to a life of uh, the new self. Death of our old ways of thinking, resurrected to thinking like Jesus. Death of our selfish ambition, resurrected to letting God do the exalting. Death and resurrection over and over uh, again. And so that's sort of the theme for the next uh, eight weeks as we lead up to the triumphal entry, which will, of course, set us up for death and resurrection. So let's uh, get into the text. We'll take it sort of uh, one little pericope at a time, one uh, narrative. Jesus, The first paragraph, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. It's a famous passage. Uh, Jesus gets salty uh, with Peter. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now, that's not shocking to us because we know the story, but uh, it would have been very shocking to the disciples, particularly, wait a second, we just said you're the one who's going to deliver Israel from Rome. No... Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. If Jesus looked you in the eye and said, Get behind me, Satan, I, uh, did. I mean, you'd have to. I think you'd have to. We'd have to pick you up off the floor, right? I know that would be for me. I, that would just, uh, just, uh, I'd be a puddle. I think. Um, he, I mean, particularly just after, uh, after he's kind of puffed up. You know, like, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, You know, God is uh, flesh has not revealed this to you, but God, uh, who is on high, and just over and over this. And you can just imagine Peter walks back from Caesarea to Philippi down to Galilee with a little little swagger, and uh, and then Jesus starts telling him, "Well, you know what this means that I'm the Christ is that I'm going to have to uh, go to Jerusalem and I'm going um, to I'm going to get put to death." And I think Peter probably hears this as you know what's probably going to happen. You know, this sort of pessimism uh, is is he's not hearing it as prophecy, uh, but uh, but as pessimism as as the idea that uh, that if I am going to ascend to power, those who are in power are just going to put me to death. And, and, and uh, I think, uh, just given his character, given his nature, given what we know about Peter, that he is a really trying uh, to comfort Jesus. And in other words, to say, not on my watch. Uh, I'm with you. I'm going to take care of you. Um. But, you know, Jesus has said he must, he must go to Jerusalem. Not, I'm going to have to. Not even, I think it might be best if I go to Jerusalem. But he must. It was of necessity. And, um, and he says that he, this, he's, he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer. He must be killed. He must rise on the third day. Uh, And it must have sounded crazy because the disciples would maybe have assumed that the elders would be his biggest fans. They would uh, come around to see like they had come around to see that that he was in fact the Christ. And and Jesus uh, offers this stinging rebuke to Peter when he says I've got you. You don't have to worry. That's not going to happen to you when I'm I'm with you. I've got to I've got a dagger I'm not and I'm not afraid to use it, right you know and um, why what what is it? why, why would Jesus off issue such a stinging rebuke? What is Jesus getting at? What do you think? Yes, Charlotte you know since he knows what's going to happen he you
2: know that he doesn't want to have to go through it. So Peter, I don't know, he, he, Peter's not helping him with the fact that he knows he's afraid that he has, of what's ahead, he's bound to be, and that's kind of deterring him from maintaining his resolve to go through it anyway.
0: I think you're exactly right. So earlier in chapter 4, uh, we saw Jesus in the desert being tempted by Satan. And if you if we go back and remember, that was Halloween that we looked at that passage. And if you, uh, if you go back all the way to Halloween and look at that passage, you might remember that one of the main, one of the main temptation was not to make uh, you know, rocks into bread, or certainly not to throw oneself down from the top of the temple, but to get the glory without the cross. To, get, uh, to take the easier road... Uh, to uh, tempting him to um, to take the glory without the cross, to deliver Israel from Rome rather than deliver humanity from its sin. Um, the thing, these are the things of thinking of the things of man, looking at this from a human perspective rather than a divine uh, perspective. Peter is tempting Jesus like Satan did in the wilderness. I think you're exactly right. He's tempting him to take the glory. Without the cross. We'll get you there, buddy. Don't worry. Right? And and you can imagine how upsetting this must be because they're expecting seats in the cabinet. (laughs) Jesus is saying that the cross is inevitable. Not because the Pharisees are rotten, but because God has foreordained it. It, he must go uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, that would have been hard to hear. But what follows, I think, was probably even harder to hear. Now before we get there, before we get up taking up our own cross, uh, any any comments, any, any thoughts on what Jesus says? Yeah, Josh. One
1: thing I think by splitting up, especially with the large gap between the two weeks, I think maybe this was E150, maybe way, way back? Okay. is when we looked at this the last time with the two back-to-back, it was interesting to see that when Jesus praises Peter, he says, you're blessed because what you said came from the Holy Spirit. And here it's almost, not that he's, he's rebuking Peter, but he's saying what you're saying is coming from Satan. It's never like Peter is the, the
0: main actor here. He's influenced by these things yeah he doesn't tell so, Peter he's great he tells him he's blessed yes. right so the, the the glory and the credit goes goes to God and in a, in a sense the glory uh, the not glory but the uh the rebuke goes to Satan yeah. um in that so so Peter's got an angel one angel on, on one shoulder one angel on the other shoulder right he's yeah. got two people uh whispering in in each ear. what must that be like um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're right. That's a good point. That's a good point. I think it still would have stung Peter, though.
1: Oh, of course. Oh, I think
0: I think I think it would. He, it's hard not actually, take that one personally. And even yeah. The
1: plus part, think he still was walking on. You know, sure. Cloud nine going yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. We we. That's, that's worth some examination. We, we internalize those things, um, even though they're not really ours. That's, that's interesting. I want to think, think more about that. Anything, anything else? Yes, Beth.
2: I'm wondering if, um, if so Jesus knew that Peter would be the chosen one, and here, apparently, he doesn't get it. And so I'm wondering if, um, if this is Jesus...
0: Teaching us through through this passage that oftentimes we don't get it. Well, yes, uh, is, is, so Beth said, it, "Is Jesus teaching us that that oftentimes we don't get it in the same way that Peter?" I think that Peter understood that he was the Christ, but had misunderstood what the Christ was for. And I do think we sometimes misunderstand what you know. We kind of treat the, Jesus as a vending machine in the sky. You know, give it, give me. Give me what I, what I want. And so this is what it means to follow Jesus, and, it, and it's tough, isn't it? Jesus told his disciples, if anyone, golly, because you know, we're in that, we're in that pool, anyone, that's you and me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Ugh. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Like I said, I think this perhaps was more offensive than get behind me Satan. We sometimes use that phrase, it's just my cross to bear, right? We And, and, and we mean a season of hardship, some difficulty that we don't want to take up, and and not to deny the difficulty or the, um, the hardship that, that it is, and we use that. But a cross for them was not a symbol of difficulty. It was an uh, instrument of, of torture and slow death from a pagan empire, no less. And Jesus says, to follow me is to take up your cross. Um, to, um, to expose oneself. To that slow death, in that sense. That self-denial. Here we talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, death. Death to ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know that famous quote? When Christ bids a man, he bids him to come and die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Um, the disciples thought they were heading for, heading for glory. Cabinet seats in the new regime. Here they are being told they're headed for a life of not just self-denial, but of, of death. And of course, all but... The Apostle John were martyred. I guess with the exception of Judas. All of them did face death and and John was left to bear witness in exile by himself on the island of Patmos. But in fact Jesus isn't saying your life is going to be terrible. He's saying he said, I've come that you might have life. Remember that? And this is not antithetical to what He said when He says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Because what He wants for us is life in Him. Because He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. Right? That's what He wants for us. He came that we might have life. But the way to life is just as unexpected for us as it is for the disciples. And, and I want to be assure you that I'm not... Um, calling you to something that I have mastered you know I'm speaking to you from one high uh, I am speaking to you uh, shoulder to shoulder as one who has just read it a few hours before you did <laughs> you know like I I am uh, continually uh, wanting the easy road wanting uh, not to deny myself wanting not to serve others before myself um, what does it mean to die to oneself we talk about that in Use that phrase a lot in Christian circles and Bible studies because it's got to die to myself. I mean, pretty much when you you know, are having a Bible study about discipleship and you say, you know, I just feel like the Lord's called me to die to myself, that'll shut people up because you're right, you know. Like, I mean, but what does it mean? What's it mean? Say, Katie, live in the spirit. To live in the spirit, okay, certainly.
1: Would it be helpful to read verse 25 more is for whoever would save his life for himself? Will lose it, but whoever loses life to God
0: for my sake will find it. I think. I think that is what he means. Yes, uh, that is uh, whoever uh, tries to create his own life, whoever takes his own path, in the false assumption that he knows better than I do. Um, and yet, that's that's what we all do, isn't it? That's what we all. Do.
1: Don't you think it's interesting that the <laughs>
2: philosophy of this of today is all about self, self-actualization, taking care of self, love yourself. You know, so much of what you hear in, in media, advertising, television shows is so opposite of that.
0: Yes, but I don't think that's new. I think Jesus was speaking to a, a, a humanity that was just as prone to that. They just didn't have social media. They didn't have TVs. You know, they didn't have the billion-dollar industry, multi you know many billion-dollar industries that we have uh, to promote it, but the human heart is just as susceptible then as it is now. Um, There's just more advertisement, but um, but yes, I mean I think they've always we've we've always I mean since the garden, you know whether you believe that was a real thing you know an actual thing or a symbolic thing. I mean that's that's the whole point of Genesis chapter three is that we that we're going to serve ourselves. That's why we need a savior. Uh, if we didn't need a savior, Jesus wouldn't have to come in the first place. He could just be a guru whose teaching we try to follow. But we don't, before we need a, a, a guru, we need a savior. And it's because we don't love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. We don't love our neighbor as ourselves. We love ourselves. And that's that is the human problem.
2: If we love ourselves.
0: Well, we do, I mean, I think, I know you, I know what you mean. Some people just hate themselves, but, but even that insistence on hating oneself is to deny what God has said is true about us, which is to, in a sense, love ourselves. I mean, I know it doesn't feel like that, but it is to, it is to elevate our own self above what God has said about us. So what God has said about us is that we are sinners who are saved by grace. And what we often say about ourselves is, is that we don't need Grace. Or we can do this. Or we're terrible and not worthy of grace. Or we make up all kinds of narratives that are opposite of or or contrary to what God has said about us. And we do all sorts of things that are contrary to what God would have us do. But here we see the pattern of death uh, and resurrection in our discipleship. Dying to self in the expectation that it's going to give life to us and to others. That is to say, exactly what Josh said. That if that if if we lose whoever loses his life for my sake, whoever whoever get, not just not not just being martyred. I mean, that is a great gift. I'm actually reading a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, called "The Cost of Discipleship." I'm very early on, so I don't have a lot of insight to give you from that. But um, but the prologue, there was a, there was somebody wrote a a sort of introduction about him, and, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was martyred. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a um, a German uh, Lutheran theologian who was killed by uh, Hitler, and the um, uh, and actually Himmler ordered his execution specifically right before, like days before uh, that uh, concentration camp was was liberated, and um, and they, the the author talks about you know martyrdom as as a great gift, as an incredibly high calling. Now of course, that is the ultimate sacrifice, but um, but dying to so I don't but I'm not just meaning martyrdom, right I'm meaning the putting aside of what we want in favor of what God wants for us in the trust that what God wants for us, even though it may be more difficult in the short run, it will be better in the long run. And that is very hard. I think for me. Be careful how I say this, because I don't, I, I don't consider myself sanctified in, in any sense. But um, for me, it's, it where I have the most trouble with that is is on impulse. If I stop to think about it, I can I can remember that God God's plan is the best plan. But but what it's just what comes just flows out of me when Amy says something I don't like, or when you know when I I don't know anything when somebody cuts me off in traffic. That's right, yeah. Um, uh, when, in any, it's just the things that just flow out naturally, and that's when Jesus's words. You know, it's not what goes into the body that, that defiles it; what comes out of the body. Yeah. From him, no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Um, so, let me ask you this: What? Think about it. You don't have to say it out loud, although some of you might want to be willing to. What is one way that you might die to yourself? in order to follow Christ. Let's take a minute to think about what is one way, (coughs) tangible, actionable, practical way, that you might die to yourself so that others might have life. And in fact, you might have life. Who would be so bold as to share? Yes, Josh
1: letting that extra Netflix show roll on, taking time out to you know sit in Bible study and prayer, and not prayer to ask for something, but just to maybe listen.
0: Okay. So who's going to ask Josh next week?
1: <laughs> about, <laughs> I, I, think I, have, I think I have a priority. Yeah, all right,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't disagree at, at all. I think pledging or tithing... You move, you're moving from preaching to meddling now. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Luther said that there's three conversions: the head, the heart, and the wallet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, right.
2: You uh-huh. you present that in a way I've never heard
0: before. Uh-huh.
2: You talk about um, giving to your church as a form of worship. Yes. And, and that has stuck with me, and I think um, I think that is a way to die to yourself giving of your of your bountiful gifts, not just
0: financial. Tell you what, it is, that is, there is death in that, because talk about not getting what you want right away. I'll make that in
2: stewardship season.
0: If you want. Yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Alicia. I think
2: giving up control, I'd like to follow my list of requests in order so you can worry about the big things, and I'm sure if you did it this way, it would be
1: just...
0: Yes. That is very hard for me. Yeah. Very hard. It doesn't look like I would like it to look.
2: And I'd like to be able
0: to accept that. Yeah, that's what Abram does. We talked about that in the sermon this morning that Abram says, all right, listen, I know these, I, you're not going to be able to do it like you said you're going to do it, God, so so I've got this plan worked out for you. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. You said you had this plan. It's it not going to work God. So here's, here's what you ought to do. Yes. Control. Whew. That, uh, yeah, that's... Yes, yes, ma'am. Along with that, not to be getting in the last word. How many of you (laughs) don't listen to what is being said, but wait for your turn to talk? (laughs) Not getting in the last word. Yes. Still, yes, Jim.
2: Volunteering generally in the community or whether it's a neighbor.
0: Yeah, giving up your time. You might be tired, you know, a mm-hmm. little me time. That's great, It's great. Yeah, John. Serving others is not for the benefit of yourself. That's right. Boy, that's, a, that's just an internal discipline. You know, I think not just giving up your time, but when you do give up your time, not to look for that pat on the back. I'm doing this, but I want people to know I've done it, right? <laughs> yeah. Say you what, y'all just go do that, and y'all be all right. All right. There's a lot of things, a lot of things. I encourage you, whatever it is that you thought of in your own life, or if somebody said something that resonates, write it down. Put it on a sticky note. Put it on your dashboard or your mirror, and um, and think on these things this week. Make that an object of prayer. Give that up. Watch, you know, t- turn off the Netflix show or the, you know, whatever it is, and um, spend an extra fifteen minutes in in prayer. Heck, go to bed. You know, like <laughs> uh, get more rested. <laughs> careful, own what goes into your mind and your heart, that's good alright, transfiguration so, so we have this little valley of, of um, Jesus is going to die uh, he's going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to be resurrected and um, isn't it interesting that Peter, I, one thing I forgot to say, Peter doesn't didn't say oh wow, you're going to be resurrected yeah. you know, that's a great plan he says, He doesn't, that just doesn't make any sense so he's I'm like, we'll let that happen So you got the uh, confession, then you got this little valley of of Jesus has to die, and and we got to die, and then you have the transfiguration up on the mountain. Would uh, would somebody read that? It's kind of long. Uh, You've you've heard from me a lot of talking from me. Would somebody read this? This After
1: six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. But the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist.
0: All right. Thank you, Josh. There are a lot of weird stories in the Bible. Uh, I think this is certainly among them. Now, it is it is a, uh, a very important story. Um, Portion of scripture and story in the life of Jesus, the transfiguration. But it is so strange. You imagine um, Jesus, you go up on the mountain, and maybe maybe it's, it's, I always picture it at night. It doesn't say it's at night. Um, and then, um, and Jesus just starts to shine. <laughs> This, I mean, like, it's just sort of, uh, you know, sort of uh, not horror movie, but just sort of sci-fi kind of, um, just weirdness, I think. Jesus begins to be transfigured. He begins to glow. His face shone like the sun. His clothes become white uh, as light, it says. And then Moses and Elijah show up. Y'all, that's strange. <laughs> that is weird. And they're talking with him. I think is Luke that tells us he's talking with us about his departure. Uh, they're talking with Jesus about his departure, uh, meaning about his cross and death, resurrection, and ascension. And Peter is, I mean, you can imagine Peter and James and John. Now it says up on a high mountain. Now, I want to tell you that when we went to um, we went to the Mount of Transfiguration, and it is a high, high mountain. It is steep uh, to get up that thing. I mean, you're ta- if you are car- if you get car sick, um, and then that is a difficult bus ride uh, to the top of that mountain. It is uh, lots of switchbacks up this really, really steep mountain. I remember, and you get up there, you can really see the whole Jezreel Valley. You can see all of Galilee is lush, super green, wonderful, beautiful place. Uh, but it is, um, uh, it, and it is a beautiful church uh, that they have made at the t- built at the top there, and um, uh, so they're really high. Up on the mountain, and and you can just imagine how how elated. I mean, overcome. Peter is so funny. I and mean, Peter confesses Jesus is the Christ. He gets stung, but now he gets invited up on the mountain and, and sees this. Is man, this is fantastic. Let's just stay here. I'll go collect some wood and build some lean-tos. And uh, and we. I'll build. I don't even need to build one for myself. This is so great. I'll just build one for you and Moses and Elijah and we can hang out here on top of the mountain. Now, life is lived in the valley, isn't it? We like the mountaintop. But life is lived on the valley. What What does this draw any uh, association for you, this story? Draw any Old Testament association for you? Uh, yeah, Doc. Well, the
2: Shekana glory that God appeared to, to, uh, to the Jewish children when they were in the wilderness, they begin to recognize that was God's presence, and of course, he would be answering that statement. They would know about the kind glory; would have read about it and uh, heard about it from, you know, being told. And so they see in, the, in, in that Jesus is bearing witness that He is exactly.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, so Moses goes up on the mountain. Uh, and uh, it, w- when they're in the wilderness, and he, when he comes back down, he's got this uh, radiant uh, tan suntan, right? Like he's just uh, he is glowing literally to the, and it freaks them out a little bit. And they ask him to put on a like a beekeeper suit uh, and to uh, to to keep them from sort of being afraid. And when Jesus when when Moses takes off the mask, uh, they see the glory of it. It kind of wears off after a while. Moses had a reflected glory. He had been in the presence of God and got this incredible glory. But it wore off. Cuz his was a reflected glory. It's like the moon is beautiful, the full moon, man. It's just it's beautiful, isn't it? But it, the, moon, the moon's just a rock in the sky. It doesn't have any light on its own. It's reflecting the glory. The sun is where the where the the light comes from. And, uh, and, and so it is that the sun is where the light comes from. The S-O-N is where the light comes from. For the sun, uh, we're seeing that Jesus is not reflecting the glory of God. He is the glory of God. He is the glory of God. Um, he is producing the glory. The glory is coming from Him, radiating uh, from Him. Um, in this analogy, I think Moses is like the moon. He reflects the glory, but Jesus is the Son. He's the, the source of the light. He is the light. Why are Moses and, and Elijah there? The law and the, prophets. law and the prophets. That's right, the law and the prophets. Moses was the giver of the law, Mosaic law. Elijah was the sort of prophet par excellence. There is not a book of Elijah. Um, we have lots of... We have Isaiah and Jeremiah and all these others, but, but, but Elijah was sort of... The, he was the one that got... Uh, Caught up in the chariots of fire, right? He he was the he was the sort of prophet par excellence. Through so the law and the prophets, and, and I've always heard. Uh, for, well, I think I've said this before in sermons. For a long time, I heard you know the cloud comes down over them, and and Jesus, and God says, "This is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him." And I've always heard of that saying like, "Listen, to, you knuckleheads, and quit messing around and listen to Jesus." But. Um, but I think in the, in the context of Moses and Elijah being there, the law and the prophets, I think what we're going to hear is not to throw away the law and the prophets, but to say, now listen to Jesus. We've been listening to the to law and the prophets. Now we have the fulfillment. Listen to him. The, the inflection is on uh, not on listen to him, but listen to uh, him. Um, What what else when you read the about the transfiguration, how does this help you to follow the Lord? How how does it help you to love the Lord, to know the Lord? What what is it about this that is so in fact so special?
2: Well, to me, this was also a killing of Jesus so that he could face what he had to face being fully man as well as fully God, you know. I can see where having gone through some trials, you need that infilling to keep you going in the right direction. And and as much as it was for Peter and John, uh, the disciples, to, to see it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I've seen Shekinah glory when Charlie and I had our first day. And I had prayed for somebody. And when he came out his door, it was only God's glory around him. And it was in the middle of a snowstorm.
0: And it wasn't like a light behind him or something like that? Okay. He, was,
2: he was just shining. And I knew in
0: yeah. spirit wow spirit
2: what God was telling me. It took him a little time
0: to figure out. I, I love I that. What God was telling me. So, you know, there are times
2: when we need to see that and we need to feel it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Good. Yes. One, one other thought. Towards the end of this, Jesus told them they had to go back down. They wanted to build booths or tents for these, these gentlemen who could come from the divine place of God waiting for them. And uh, they wanted to build a tent or put up a little move, but he said we've got to go down and and i I like we have those moments where we have experienced the ecstasy of knowing who jesus is and he reveals himself to us and yet there are times that we've still got to go back down and face the normal
0: rigors of everyday life. Yeah, I listen, I love I love mountaintop experiences. I, I encourage you to go to things like Curcio or other retreats, you know, just those are great things, but life is lived in the valley. The, the goal is not to get back to the mountain, the goal is to bring off the mountain and bring it down uh, to have it to live in the valley. The transfiguration is confirming that what Peter said is true, that Jesus is the Christ, even if they don't know uh, exactly. Uh, you know, one of the things about Moses uh, seeing the glory of God is that if you remember, God wouldn't let him see his face. You remember why? He wouldn't survive. He, wouldn't survive. Yeah. he came into the presence of God and the glory would burn him up. You know, like it's just, there's that much difference between our humanity and God's glory. And yet in the presence of the glory of God on the Mount of Transfiguration, there aren't burned up. Why? Because Jesus would take take the punishment right i mean jesus is is the one who opens us into his into his presence which is why of course that that um that peter wanted to stay that's a natural and wonderful thing i think and we can make fun of peter and say he just didn't know what he was talking about but you know i mean i think i've any one of us who've been out there would have said let's just keep this thing going wasn't it also uh
2: to the disciples that there was actual life after?
0: Was it proof to the disciples there was life after death I, with Moses and Elijah? I, I don't think they would have been particularly surprised about that. I mean, I think there are passages in the Old Testament that speak to people uh, coming back from Sheol or, or, you know, things like that. So. Didn't half of the Jews not believe in the resurrection? Right? Well, the Sadducees, yes. Yes, they, they didn't. I don't, I don't know that any of the, uh, the apostles were, in fact, Sadducees of that of that number, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would have been confirmation that there's more to this, more to life than just what we see, for sure. But I don't know that, I mean, it would have been surprising to see them and to recognize them, for sure. But the fact that it happened or existed probably would, I don't think it would have been surprising, but the experience it would have been something else, for sure. Yeah, Josh, last thing.
1: Is there a connection, like, when would be, it comes down with clouds, and my son the be, well, please. It immediately made me think of the baptism. Is there a connection between the baptism and this, where once kicking off the ministry, once kicking off his his push towards the resurrection?
0: I think probably so. you know, is there a connection between this and his baptism? I mean, that's the inauguration of his spirit. This may be the confirmation of it of his spirit, his divinity. And I think moving towards Jerusalem, what we need to remember, especially, I think we see this in the transfiguration, is that the Father and the Son are are. They're not. The, I mean, they're not the same person, but they are one in purpose. They are. We have one God and three persons. And Jesus wasn't going to suffer the will of his Father. He was going to do the will, the thing that he came to do. You know, like and so. Uh, but but in his humanity, he needed that. Perhaps needed that confirmation again. So yes, I think it was for uh, Jesus. I think it was for uh, us as well. But it confirms his divinity, and therefore his qualification. Uh, to suffer on the cross for us. Well, friends, we could probably keep talking for hours and hours, but we have come to the end of our time together. Uh, Next week, we will look uh, at, let me see, I I should have written it down. I did not. Let me take a look and see what we're going to look at. Uh, Jesus uh, they come off the mountain and Jesus heals the boy with the demon the temple tax that's when they find the, uh, the coin in the fish's mouth. That's a strange story. So uh, but more death and resurrection. We'll see you next week and we'll see you in church. God bless you.